This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with Community Law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. And we take another opportunity to look at New Zealand law and how it impacts our daily lives. Today we're going to be looking at contracts, more specifically What if a mistake is made in a contract? How can it be remedied? Joining us on the line now, Lily Roger. Lily Morena, good to have you with us again. Yeah, good to be back. Lily, um, so let's look at how the law stands around this. What kind of statutory relief can be available when a mistake is made in a contract? So when looking at mistakes when contracts are involved, statutory relief can be available through the Contract and Commercial Law Act. This act requires the mistake to be on a fact of law or, sorry, on a fact or on the law. It cannot be based on a misrepresentation as this is something different. For information about misrepresentation, you can listen to an earlier segment I did on the 11th of August of this year. For mistakes, however, there are typically three categories which can lead to relief. Unilateral common and what's called different mistakes, same subject matter. You can find these three types of mistakes at section 24 of the Contract and Commercial Law Act. All right, let's look at each of those three. What is a unilateral mistake, Lily? So this is when the party was influenced in their decision to enter into the contract by a mistake that was material to that party. So the term material is used in law when it's referencing a situation where the outcome could not have happened without that particular, um, in this case, mistake, but it could be like a fact or an event or something like that. But another aspect of unilateral mistakes is that the existence of the mistake must be known to the other party. Therefore, there has to be either actual, constructive, or inferred knowledge. Pretty much this means that the party cannot use the defence of not being explicitly told about the mistake. They can figure it out for themselves or have a hunch that the other party has made a mistake and they will still be liable under this. All right. The second of those categories, what is common mistake? This can be when... Um, each of the parties have been influenced in their respective decision to enter into the contract by the same mistake. So an example of this is Bayer House is being used, presented and sold as a three-bedroom property, but legally speaking, one of the rooms was not a suitable bedroom for council bylaw purposes. Therefore, the buyer and the seller have made the same mistake. Okay, I understand that one. So, the third (laughs) category, what is a different mistake, same subject matter? So, this one is a little tricky to get your head around, but essentially it's when the party or at least one other were each influenced in their decision to enter into the contract by a different mistake about the same matter of fact or of law. So for this to be able to be pleaded, the subject matter needs to be clearly identified. So an example of this could be in a subdivision 
there was an agreement to sell, say, lot three. But this was incorrect as lot three had a section of a pre-existing house on it or something like that. So there was never actually any intention to sell that lot. Mm, They wanted to sell lot two. So this is kind of the situation you could see. Okay. Yeah. All right, Lily, what else is required? Um, well, as I briefly mentioned, the mistakes need to be influenced, needs to influence the parties to a material degree. So typically this is quite obvious. Usually it is if someone is so influenced by an incorrect assumption that they do not interpret the correct meaning of the contract. But also in addition to this, there needs to be a substantial consequence from the mistake. So how do you establish if there's been a substantial consequence? So there's two different ways you in which you can establish substantial consequence that are sufficient to warrant relief. Firstly, there must be a substantially unequal exchange of values. For example, this could be when the leaky homes issue was apparent. People were buying houses at certain prices, say, I don't know, $1.2 million. However, after the discovery of being a leaky home, their reselling value was significantly less. Therefore, the exchange in values, money for the house, was substantially unequal in some cases. Secondly, when a benefit or obligation agreed upon is disproportionate to the value paid or consideration. So consideration is what a party gets in return for its goods or services. This could be an example that you were using a builder and their charge it out fees were significantly higher than typical in the field for the same job. Okay. Lily, what are some of the reasons that you wouldn't get relief in terms of contract mistakes? So there is a provision in the Contract and Commercial Law Act that states that there is no allowance for assumed risk. So if a party assumes the risk within a contract, they cannot ask for relief. So using my first example of the bedroom, a party could have written in the contract that they agree to buy the house regardless of code requirements. However, this needs to be um, a general assumed risk or specific to what they are assuming. So they could say that if the house did not meet healthy homes requirements, they could agree to um, still buy it and they wouldn't be able to get relief under that. But the court also has a discretionary power to award damages in different forms. And what are the, some of those different forms? The main form of relief is compensation or restitution. However, they could instead declare the contract valid, cancel the contract, or grant relief through any mechanisms other than money. Therefore, the court can grant relief in any form which it sees fit. Well, Lily, it's clear from um, what you've taken us through today that this can be a particularly complex field, right? This is something that yeah. that, 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 that most uh, untrained people in the law uh, could understandably get quite confused and frustrated about. Um, but um, with some training, such as what you're getting, Lily, we can get some good advice on this kind of thing through Community Law Otago. Yes, yes, you can. 
uh, and uh, you're heading towards the end of the year now, Lily. I suppose you've got exams and things, have you? Yes, I've got another one tomorrow afternoon, which should be fun. <laughs> well, good luck with all of that, and we appreciate the Thank time you've you. taken uh, to take us through uh, mistakes and contracts today, Lily, and uh, the other contributions you've made through the year. Uh, all Thank the best, and, um, and don't forget Community Law Otago are there to help us uh, not only with this kind of thing, but, but many other uh, legal matters. If you feel like you need a little bit of advice, need to be pointed in the right direction, they're there for you. Thanks, Lily. All the best. Thank you. Have a good day. Community Law Otago, free legal advice and support for the people of Otago. Visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 Princess Street, Dunedin. Clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com. Ring 474-1922 or 0800-169-333 if calling from outside Dunedin. Speak Legal is made with support from the law faculty, University of Otago, training for life. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.